Thank you for tuning into the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. This morning as I was preparing for today's message, I, I found a, a story that I want to share with you guys. Some of you may know this. Some of you may have even remembered this story. I didn't. But in 1925, there was a town formed by the name of Times Beach, Missouri. And when it was founded, it was to be a summer destination with, with river homes that people would, would come and vacation to. And then the Great Depression hit. And summer homes became a luxury that no one could afford. And so these modest river homes now became the primary residence of lower-income families. People that couldn't find homes anywhere else were able to live in these smaller homes. And as times went by, this city, this town stayed poor. Throughout the Great Depression in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, throughout the 70s, it was still poor. There were no paved roads there. There were a lot of things that weren't there in this town. And because there were no paved roads, dirt and dust were everywhere. And the townspeople began to get fed up with that. And so they began to pay a man to spray waste oil on their roads so that there wouldn't be as much dust in the air. So as he was spraying this oil, what they didn't know is that he had mixed this waste oil with a highly toxic substance called dioxin. The more he sprayed, the more things began to be different, and animals began to get sick, and they started dying. And then people began to get sick, and they were trying to figure out what was going on. And in the early 80s, it became evident that there was some type of toxic poison in this town. And the government began to show up, and they said, people cannot live here. And later, in 1982, they relocated the entire town because it wasn't safe for anyone to live there. But the damage was done. The damage was done in the lives of the people. And even in the town, the government came in, and they said, this town can't even sit here as a ghost town. They destroyed everything. They even incinerated the dirt. That's how lingering and toxic this poison was. See, the people in this town unwillingly or unknowingly but willingly participated in their own poisoning. And my prayer this morning is that we would see the poison that is sitting in front of us today and not do the very same thing. My message this morning is the title of our new series called Don't Drink the Poison. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for the moments that we get to spend together in your word. And so, God, I ask today that you would open our hearts. You would open our eyes, Lord, that we would be willing to look deep inside to see what's there. That we would be willing to hear your voice this morning, that you would speak life to us. You would let us know the dangers that are lying in front of us. God, we ask that as we look into your word, that it would challenge us, that it would change who we are. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me as I communicate your word to your people. Let me do it confidently and clearly and effectively in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we may not be spraying our streets with a toxic chemical, but every day there is poison in front of us. Every day. There is poison readily available for us to consume. 
The thing about this poison is it is very tricky. Some of us see this and we feel like if we take a sip of this poison that it doesn't hurt us, but that it would hurt other people. That's how it gets us. We get so wrapped up in what's going on that we feel like when we take a sip, it's going to hurt other people, but it actually only hurts us. You see, this poison is filled with anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and at times hatred. And it gets placed in front of us every time we get offended. They tell us that this generation is the most easily offended generation in the history of mankind. And before we begin to throw stones at younger people, I just want to remind all of us that we raise the next generation. And so if they are easily offended, then that doesn't really rest solely on them, but there is blame to be taken on us. But see, when offense happens, it normally happens in two different stages. The first one is the easiest one. We feel offended. We get offended. And the second one is the dangerous one where we begin to live offended. See, stage one is sitting in front of us almost each and every day. Holidays are coming up pretty soon. Some of us are practicing our thick skin because we know when we get around that family member that likes to tell it like it is, they're going to have some words to say about our life. They're going to have some things to say about how we're still single or, or how we may our attitude looks like this. Or, or maybe our kids aren't as good as their kids. They will say things that will quickly offend us. And if you don't have a family like that, all you need to do is turn the news on or scroll through social media and you will find something that will offend you. You will see something that someone posts and you will begin to feel it inside of you. Someone says something, maybe they didn't mean to, but it was insensitive at work. And you're offended. Or maybe that friend that you thought was a friend suddenly begins to talk bad about you behind your back. And you hear it. And now you're offended. You're overlooked for the third time at work. They pass you over for a supervisor position that you are qualified for. In fact, you are training the person who got the job. And you're offended that you're constantly being taken for granted and overlooked. Sometimes... People don't even have to say things for us to be offended at them. Just the fact that they have a differing viewpoint and every now and then it comes out, we are offended. They don't have to speak to us. You know how I know this? We can talk right now about politics and half the people in this room would be offended. No longer can we have conversations in differing opinions. My opinion is the only one that matters. Your opinion offends me. We're no longer willing to, to have open dialogue because the fact that you would have a differing opinion boggles my mind. How could you believe that? How could you even think this way? How could you vote this way? How could you believe that masks don't save people's lives? How can you believe that this is a conspiracy? How can you? We go on and on it goes. We're so easily offended. It sits right in front of us, ready to take. And let alone the times that people legitimately wrong us the times that they purposely hurt us, the things that they do to break us down, there are moments that we cannot avoid. This poison sits in front of us. 
someone pours this glass for us. They sit it in front of us and then they talk bad about us. And they pour it. And as they pour it, man, we feel it. We feel it. We feel some kind of way. The emotions are all over us and we're unsure how to act. We're unsure how to respond because we don't want to feel like this, but this feeling is out of our control. This emotion, we can't control it in the moment. We are going to be offended. We're going to feel this cup right here. We're going to see what they did. We're going to hear it over and over again. The simple fact is, that the poison is still in the glass. The second stage of what we're talking about is when I begin to live with it is the moment that I take this poison and I put it to my lips, and I take a sip, and then I begin to internalize what they said. And I begin to think about it over and over again. I begin to have that conversation in my mind time and time again. And every time it happens, my fist clenches up a little bit more. My face tightens up. I'm a little bit more angry. I can't control the emotion. My emotion that was a good indicator before is now a horrible leader. It's leading me to be offended. And now I'm going to act on it. I'm going to think about it. It's going to overwhelm my heart. It's going to overwhelm my actions. I'm going to let it it all just run wild. See, the difference between feeling offended and living offended is the choice of taking this drink and living with the poison inside of who I am, letting it run through in my system. Once I do that, I can now play the victim, and they are always the villain. I can't believe how they treated me. I begin to have the next argument in my mind. And you know what else I do? I begin to gather people around and I grab the glass and I tell them to take a drink. I need them to be on my side. I need them to feel how offended I am. I need them to be with me, to be upset just like I am at the people that are around me. Now I'm no longer able to live life like I really want to. I begin to live from a place of offense that everything now goes through this lens. Everything goes through this filter. Every interaction I have and don't bring up the time I see the person that offended me. The offense begins to not add up but multiply more and more. Man, it is so hard to not pick this cup up and take a drink. This cup is setting in front of each and every one of us on a daily basis. It's so hard to not take a drink, but when we do, it is so costly. And we know that it costs because we can see it in other people. We see the cost of this poison in the lives of those around us, but we cannot see how it affects our own self. We don't realize when we become short with everyone around us. When we become the person that is constantly complaining about how life is. How we got the short end of the stick. How everyone else gets favors done for them but we don't. How we had to work hard for everything. How all the time we are at the bottom clawing our way up to the top. How we are always offended. Nothing ever works for me. It always works for them. We don't see that as easily as other people do. 
We don't notice that our patience for those that are closest to us has run out. We have no time for people's ignorance, for their statements, for them to not get what we're saying. We are short. We are to the point, and that point stabs and hurts people. We begin to lose sleep. It begins to affect our body. We can't figure out why we don't feel rested, why we don't feel peaceful. It's because we've drank this poison over and over again. It's not who we want to be. It's not who we signed up to be. Those of you who are single, it's not on your list to find someone that's full of bitterness and resentment. That's not at the top of your list. Complaining is a must. I need someone who can complain with the best of them. I need someone who gives me dirty looks every day. But that's not at the top of your list. And when you're married, that's not who you said your vows to. You're not the same person. That's not who you turned in. That's not who you were supposed to turn into. When you gave your vows for better or worse, you weren't planning on giving them the worst. You were planning on giving them the best. No one really wants to live this way. We don't want to be this poisoned person that's guided by bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. We don't want to be the person that no one else wants to be around. We don't want to feel like this. We don't want to have it ravage our heart in our lives. So how do we keep from drinking it? How do we stop drinking it if we've already started? Is that even possible? Because this is here all the time being poured out for us to drink. And when I can't figure this out, when you can't figure this out, it's a good thing that there's a place that we can go to help us see, can we not drink the poison? If you have your Bibles, open it up to Proverbs chapter 19. We're going to read one verse and then we're going to jump to Colossians here in a few minutes. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11 It says this, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. And if you are like me, when you read that the first time, you were like, for real? This is the verse that's in here? I, I want at times to feel offended. But that's not what this says. It says that good sense makes one slow to anger and it's to his, it is his glory to overlook an offense. The NIV puts it this way. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. And the Bible is clear. We can choose to live differently. This may sit in front of me. But Solomon is telling us, the word of God is telling us that I can choose to walk by this cup. I can choose to not pick it up. I can choose to be slow to anger and overlook an offense. It's not just a good choice. Solomon says it's a choice that brings glory to the person who, named, or who does this. That wise people, sensible people have patience. And man, I want to be considered wise. I want to be considered a sensible person. I want in this group, but how is that possible? Because I can't choose whether or not someone pours this cup for me. I can't choose whether or not they're going to say something insensitive about me in a line at Target. I can't choose whether or not I see what they put on social media about me. I can't choose whether or not I'm offended. But I can choose whether or not I drink the poison of offense.
I can choose whether I pick this up. You see, being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. And this is a hard choice because our culture, our culture tells us that it's okay to be offended. Matter of fact, it's your right to be offended. If someone did you wrong, pick up a sign and let everybody know that that's what they did to you. Demand revenge. Demand right to be done. Demand the offense be paid in full. But the Bible tells me that I can overlook an offense that I can have patience. What the Bible is telling me and what culture is saying me seem to be moving in the opposite direction. And I have to realize that I can't be the victim and the victor at the same time. That when I hold on to offense and play the victim, I cannot be an overcomer at the same time. I cannot be the victor that I'm supposed to be when I choose to play the victim, when I choose to drink this poison. I can choose to be patient. I can choose to be self-controlled. I can choose to use a level head at times. I can be someone who does not hold grudges. I'm not just telling you this to tell you. I'm telling you what this says. I'm telling myself this. This isn't a you need to do this talk. This is a we need this talk. I wish I was an expert at this, but pff, I am not. This choice is in front of us, but it is not an easy one to make. The choice to not pick this up and not drink this poison is a tough choice. But if I'm willing to not pick it up, that choice can change me. That choice can change you. It can help me to grow my faith in my relationship with Jesus. It can help heal my heart. It can help me mature in my relationship with Jesus. See, society tells us the only way that we can live without being offended is for everyone to treat us right all the time. The problem with that is the power of me being offended is now in someone else's hands. But Solomon reminds us the choice is mine. That a wise person is patient and slow to anger. And it's to his glory to overlook an offense. The power is in my court. The choice of whether or not I pick this up and drink it is mine. And there are some things that Solomon lets us know that we're going to look at this morning because I want to not drink this poison. I want you to not drink this poison. But this is a tough topic to go through. Let me give you some things that will help all of us to not drink the poison. This morning, the first thing comes from this verse in Proverbs. And I just put it this way. Let things cool down. Maybe you're like me and it needs to start with your face. Some of us, what's wrong? Nothing. We'll tell your face that nothing's wrong. <laughs> Mel tells me this all the time. Can you unfurl your eyebrows? She'll tell me something, and the minute I don't understand it, I'm not getting what she's saying, and my patience is doing this. I'm looking at her, not with the intent to understand, but with the intent to be frustrated. And I need to do this. Maybe you need to stop clenching your fists so much. Maybe when you're reading or watching the news or, or talking to people, maybe you need to practice something that, that I began to do, and that's open your hands and have your palms be up. 
It's a weird deal. It, they're, they're beginning to find out that when my palms are up, if I'm sitting down and my hands are on my lap like this and my palms are up, stress doesn't seem to get inside me nearly as easily as when my hands are like this. Do you notice? Do you see how you clench up when you do this? It's way harder for me to do that when my palms are open. And it's just a simple thing that I can do that will also remind myself that in this moment I need something other than what I have. I need to let go of whatever is making me feel like this, and I need to let God put something else in my hands, something else in my heart. Maybe we need to start counting to ten before we respond. Oh, kids do that. I'm a grown-up. Really? Because you might act like a kid when you're upset and offended. I'm not the most mature person when my emotions are running wild. Maybe we need to begin to walk away before we respond. That text message that's got you all fired up, you probably don't need to respond to that today. You don't need to send that email out. You don't need to make that call. You don't need to give it to them right now while it's fresh in your mind. Maybe you need to sleep on it. Maybe you need to be a wise person and have some patience and give some distance between the offense and when you respond to the offense. James tells us in chapter 1 of, of his book that we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And I believe this. Sometimes, man, I used to think, oh, yeah, I, I need to be quick to listen to my wife. I need to hear what she's saying I need. But maybe James is reminding us and I need to be quick to listen to the voice of God. I need to slow down my speech and slow down my anger so that I can let him in, let things cool down. And as I do that, I can begin to look past the offense. This is hard to do because it's right here. But Solomon tells us we can look past the offense. Maybe you just need to start giving people the benefit of the doubt. This is tough. But maybe that's how you survive at work. I try to do this. I, I try to do this in, in different times in my life where I give the benefit of the doubt. I know that this is how it came out of your mouth, but I'm trying to work it out in my mind and in my heart that that's not how you meant it. Because I really want to love you. I really don't want to be this upset. Maybe you didn't mean it that way. Maybe we need to begin to give people the benefit of the doubt. Even when it's a stretch even when it doesn't feel like they deserve the benefit of the doubt. That's how I can begin to look past it. The lower that they go, the more shots that they take means I need to set my sights and my standards a little bit higher. I need to begin to not meet them where they are, but meet where Jesus is. I need to give the benefit of the doubt. But pastor, you don't know what they said. You don't know that they deserve what I'm about to give them. I've been storing this up. I've been taking it for years. I'm going to let loose. It's my right. They have treated me this way. And you know what, Pastor? I'm not going to do anything wrong. I'm just going to treat them the way that they treat me. I'm going to treat them with the same amount of disdain that they've treated me. I'm going to treat them like the enemy that they've shown me to be. It's my right. It is. You can. But the problem with that is that just because it's your right to do that doesn't make it right. Let's take it a step further. Even though it might be my right to respond that way, it doesn't make it righteous. 
Paul was talking to the Corinthian church when they were discovering what grace looked like and what freedom looked like in Jesus. And he says this in chapter 10, that all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. And even when you were wronged and you are in the right, that doesn't make it righteous. Because if I begin to treat them like an enemy, you better make sure you have the right standard for how to treat an enemy. Because Jesus said that I'm supposed to love my enemy and pray for those that persecute me. Come on. I want to get back at them. I just took a big swig of this. I need them to feel what I feel. Jesus says that's not how we're supposed to be. That if you're living for him, if we're now following after him, that life changes. My response changes. Everything changes. Not because we wish it to be this way, but because he gives us the power to live this way. See, Solomon told us we could make a choice. Jesus began to open up the power so that we could walk through and live in that choice. Check this out. This is what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. Turn there real quickly. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start reading at the 12th verse. Because here's the rest of how we cannot drink the poison. Paul is writing these words. He said, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must... Not you could or think about that. No, no, he says you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. That is not in the scripture. Let me read that again. Forgive. It says forgive anyone. Where's the asterisk at? Does he, do you guys got an asterisk in your Bible that gives me the exclusions to this? No, no, no. It says, forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So Solomon is encouraging us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to let things cool down. And Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is giving us a few more things that will help us to not drink the poison. And it starts with this, lead with his love. Lead with his love. It's not enough for me to put off anger, but I must put on love. Paul, if you go backwards and you read chapter 2 and chapter 3, if you read this letter that he's writing to this church, he talks about all the ways that they used to live, the anger, the hatred, the bitterness that they used to live in. And he talks about it like they were wearing these clothes. And as we get into chapter 3, he says, but you got to take that off. And you got to begin to put on the love of Jesus. You need to let his love wrap itself around you like a cloth, like a jacket, like a shirt, like a new identity, and leave that way and live your life letting his love lead I'm able to put this back down as I let his love lead see because I can remember that he loves me faults and all and that's how I'm supposed to love other people well yeah that's that's good now like yeah he does love me now that I've given him my life no 
the Bible tells us that even when we were still sinners, even when my life offended God, even when I told him where he could take his love and stick it, even when I told him that I didn't want anything to do with who he is or what he was about, that he couldn't be a good God, when I waved my fist at him in the air, his love still was there for me. When my life, when my sin was offensive, God still loved me. And that's why I have to lead with the same love that he extended to me. That's how I have to live. And as I do this, I'm not talking about just flipping a switch and like, oh, now I love people. Hi, love you. Ah. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this becoming a new way of life. A new way of living and responding, a different way to live. And I choose this each and every day. And the more I choose it, the more natural it becomes, the easier it is for me to be compassionate to those around me. The easier it is for me to treat someone with kindness and with gentleness. And let me just say this, gentleness is not weakness. When you begin to look up the word gentleness, gentleness means you have power and choose not to crush people with it. See, we're not weak as followers of Christ. We are choosing to allow ourselves to not crush people with the power that we have, with the authority that we have, with the words that we have, with the rights that we have. We're not using that to crush and push other people down. I'm leading with his love. And as that becomes the norm, then I can leave space for grace. What's Paul say? He says, make room for people's offense. You ever sat on the couch, and my kids do this all the time. Mel and I will be right here. I'm snuggled up. i am got the right spot. And here comes one of the kids. You know where they want to be? Right there. I didn't leave them any room. But they got in there anyways. They forced their way in. Paul is telling us, hey, leave some room. For grace. Leave some room for your grace to make up the distance that's there for the offense that will come. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. Will I leave space for grace? Will I allow compassion to remind me that when I'm wrong, I want people to give me grace. And in order to get grace, the process of reaping and sowing is true even for me. So if I want to receive grace, guess what? I got to give grace. I can't wait for someone to earn the grace that I'm going to give out. I have to be like God and give it out. I've got to give you grace and give you grace. Every now and then I got to feel like Oprah until you get grace and you get grace and you get grace back there too. I have to be willing to give grace out and the more I let his love lead the easier it is for me to do that I'm not saying that it is easy to do I'm saying the more you do it the easier it becomes because the more natural it becomes here's the second thing lean towards forgiveness pastor what do you mean I mean this we need to be more ready to forgive than we are to be offended 
Some of us are waiting to be offended. We're looking to be offended today. What if we begin to be ready to give out forgiveness? What if my, my intent is to forgive at all times? What if I need to just lean into the forgiveness that I'm receiving? But Pastor, you don't know what they did. You don't know how wounded I am. I get it. I know that people can be mean. I know that offenses hurt. I know that some of us are carrying around wounds for years and years. And so you may not be able to lean into forgiveness. Maybe just try to limp towards it. Maybe just try to get yourself over there. You don't want to live like this over and over. You don't want your kids to live like this as they get older. Lean into grace. Get there however you can. Even if they're not asking for forgiveness, lean towards forgiveness and give it anyways. Because we have to remember that they are not drinking this poison. I am. I'm the only one this is affecting. I'm the only one whose heart is torn up right now. I'm the only one that's bitter. I'm the only one that people don't want to be around. Lean towards forgiveness. That's the measure. The measure isn't my own forgiveness. It's the measure of Jesus. It's the measure of the forgiveness that God gives. That even if we accept it or not, it's available. Amen. I have to stop holding my forgiveness outside of someone else's reach when God doesn't do that to me. When it's readily accessible for me, I have to make it readily accessible for other people. Who am I to tell someone that I can't forgive them when God forgave me for being and doing all the things that I did? This is tough, man. But as I lean towards forgiveness... Instead of picking the cup up and drinking it, I can have the ability to put it back down and to walk away. Even when they don't deserve it, even when they don't ask for it, I choose to lean towards forgiveness. The last thing that Paul tells us in verse 15 is this, to let peace guide your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule your heart is what he says. You see, when his peace is in my heart, it's easier for me to be at peace with other people. When I allow the peace of Jesus Christ to wash over me, to guard my heart and my mind, it's easier for me to give that same peace to other people. And when it's in my heart, it's easier for it to come out in my responses. It's easier for me to speak peace when it's in my heart. It's easier for me to respond with peace when I allow it to rule and guide my heart. His peace, if I will allow it to guide me and to rule my heart, will help me to make changes and choices that I couldn't make before because I will have his peace there. We all have a choice. The choice isn't whether or not we will be offended. That will happen. Just wait, especially because I'm talking about it today. I'm gearing up for this week because I know that I can't talk about this and not continue to walk it out. The choice isn't whether or not offense will come. The choice is whether or not I will live offended. The choice is whether or not I will pick this cup up and consume it once again. I can't choose whether or not someone does this.
I can choose what happens next. I can choose to drink this and feel it all over again and let it get into my system and into my heart and into my family. But I can also choose to set it back down. I can choose what to do once it's there in front of me, it's in my court. You see, the people in Times Beach, they thought they were helping their situation, but they were hurting themselves. Their choice affected them long after that poison was sprayed. And this poison affects us long after we've consumed it, if we let it. So what if you've already drank this poison? What if it's been in your heart, you've been living this way, what can you do now? Well, we can ask Jesus to take care of that too. Because he, not only can he give me the power to not choose to drink that, he has the power to remove the poison from my system. I can ask him to forgive me, to change me, to, to free me from the poison to free me from all of this that's been weighing down on me that I've been carrying for so long, I can ask him to give me the power to live like he did, to not drink the poison. Will you close your eyes with me this morning? How's your heart today? What's God speaking to you right now? Is he whispering that there's poison that he would love to get out of there? That you've been walking around wounded and he wants to remove what's been wounding you? Is he showing you the areas that you've been bitter? Is he putting people's faces in your mind that you need to give forgiveness to because you've been drinking the poison? It's in your system. Today, our, our altar time is going to be a little bit different because I believe that God wants to remove this from some of us today. That if we are willing to ask, that he will release us from the poison that we've ingested on our own. That he will release us from the hurt and the pain that bitterness has made life seem like this is the only way that we can live. He would release us from the unforgiveness. He would release us from the hatred that we have in our hearts. So this morning, if you want help, if you want his help to get rid of the poison in your heart, just lift your hand right now. Hands are going up all over this place. It's inevitable that we would be offended, but living this way is a choice. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do one more brave thing. Because as God is speaking to us this morning, I believe that he wants you to do one more thing. And that's as the worship team plays, 
as they sing this next song, I want you, if you raised your hand or you should have, you want God to get this junk out of you. You need him to change your heart. I just want you to stand to your feet and begin to tell him what it is that you need to let go of. Let him speak to your heart. Let him mend these wounds. Let him put things back together. It's a little bit more difficult when people get to see what's going on, but we are all, we've all been offended. And I bet we've all taken a drink of this poison, but I bet there are some people that God wants to do something brand new in your heart. Jesus, we, we thank you today that your word is challenging us to be more like you. Lord, we are thankful that you give us power to do that. And today, Lord, many of us asked for more of you in our hearts to get rid of the poison that's been in our system. The unforgiveness, the bitterness, the anger, the things that have been leading our lives. Lord, we want to push that to the side and we want to grab a hold of you today. So God, I thank you that today you reach down into our pain to let us know that you are there, to let us know that you aren't wanting us to stay there. So Lord, I pray that you would seal what you have done this morning in our hearts, that, that wounds would become scars today, that your peace would reign in our hearts, that we would let it guide us, we would let it rule over us, that we would let it Help us to respond to those around us. God, help us lean towards forgiveness. Help us to let your love lead, to let things cool down. God, we don't want that poison in our lives anymore. And today we ask for your power to choose to live differently. And we believe that that's exactly what we can do because of who you are. So God, help us to choose today, tomorrow, and the next day to choose to live the way that you would want us to. That when we have the choice and the chance to pick that cup up and drink, we would choose to put it right back down. We believe that we can do that because you did, and you give us the power to be like you. So continue to lead us, to guide us, to love us. Help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on. Our prayer is that this message impacted you. We would love to hear your story and have you partner with us financially as we work to spread the life-changing story of Jesus. You can do this at newvisiongrandview.com.